painful memories in our past. That's not primarily who we are. We are primarily the body of Christ. We are primarily adopted into God's family, children of God, disciples of Christ, and citizens in the kingdom of God. Amen? That is who we are. And so we must mark time differently so that we live into a different story. I want to suggest that Advent is about living into the story of Jesus and that this is our primary way of being formed as disciples, as becoming more and more like Christ and together being on this journey, this story about Christ. That's what Advent is really all about. It's about beginning this new story. And as a community of misfits, we may come from a a variety of backgrounds, right? Some of you may have a lot of experience with Advent, For some of you, like me, Advent might be something more new to you. That's all right. I didn't grow up uh, observing Advent. That wasn't part of my family's tradition. In fact, even when I became a Christian as a teenager, the tradition that I became a Christian and I was a part of didn't observe Advent. So Advent is relatively new for me. But what I found is that Advent becomes a really important part of my discipleship how I'm living into the story of Jesus. And I found it to be a rich and beautiful tradition. And so that's why this morning I wanted to share about Advent. Um, I wanted to share about Advent in a way that we could all enter in together. We're going to take a look back at some of those uh, passages that we heard read just a moment ago. Um, And I'm going to suggest some practices that we could do together uh, and individually, personally, um, to observe this season of Advent and to march to the beat of a different drummer. But before we do that, I wonder if you would pray with me. God, we thank you for today and for all of its many meanings. Thank you for the journey that you have led each of us on personally to be here today and the journey that you have led Roots Covenant on to this moment. It certainly hasn't always been easy, but we are so grateful that you've been with us through each step of that journey. Lord, we ask that you would take today and use it to make meaning of our lives. We want to live into the story that you're telling, not the competing stories that are being told by the society around us. Take our lives and make them part of your story, we pray, God. Make this Advent season meaningful, and formative for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so we heard several passages read this morning. I understand that. And uh, so I'm not going to ask you to all to remember each word of it, but we'll look back over some of it. Um, And as a side note, if any of you, you know, are more interested in some of the context of some of the passages that we read from Isaiah and Ezekiel and Deuteronomy. I am a total Bible nerd, and I would love to find out that there's a lot of interest in that sort of thing, and maybe we can organize a group or a class or something like that, because I love teaching and talking about the Bible. So there's a side note. Um, The first passage we heard read was from Deuteronomy, and the beginning of this passage is a famous prayer that is prayed by Jewish people today and for centuries called the Shema. And the Shema begins, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And this passage 
goes on to talk about practices, really specific practices. Write these things on your doorpost, really specific practices that people are to do to remember who they are and to live into an identity. Does anybody remember what that identity was? It was as a redeemed people, a people that were rescued from slavery in Egypt. And at the, at the end of the passage, there's even a point where the author says, and some, at some point, your son's going to say, why do we do all these things, right? And here's your answer. Your answer is to be, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. That's your answer. We do these things to remember whose and who we are. Israel's identity was to be a people rescued by God's love. And that is, that is also our identity. As followers of Jesus, we are living into the same story of being a redeemed people, a people rescued by God's covenant love. And that's what Advent is all about. It's about reminding us of the story that we're living into. The second passage that we read this morning is from the prophet Ezekiel. And then after that, from the prophet Isaiah. And both of these prophets are reflecting on a different event. The first event that Deuteronomy is reflecting on is the Exodus, right? We all understood that, the Exodus. Now, Ezekiel and Isaiah are reflecting on a different event, a different event that makes meaning of their lives. And that event was the exile. So you've got the Exodus and the exile. Conveniently, they both start with E and X, so you can remember them. And in these passages, God, speaking through the prophet, is comforting God's people and saying, I'm going to do a new thing with you. For example, in the Ezekiel passage, God says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle you clean with water and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. So God is doing a new thing, and there's at least three components to it. I'm, there's probably more, but just for the sake of time, he's going to forgive them and cleanse them. That's one. He's going to baptize them with water, and he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. Pretty specific. And then we read a passage in the New Testament, actually one of the earliest passages in the New Testament, the first gospel, Mark. And in the New Testament, the story of Jesus begins with this promise from Isaiah, that Isaiah says that God is going to send a messenger ahead of God. And the messenger is, the messenger is going to say, prepare the way of the Lord. And the gospel, of, the gospel of Mark begins with this good news of the Messiah. It says that, I will, uh, in the beginning was the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he quotes the prophet Isaiah, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. And then he says, here's that guy. Here's the guy who's the voice in the wilderness. It's John the Baptist. 
And what does John the Baptist come preaching? John the Baptist appears in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside went out to him and were baptized. And then after that, he said, there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So here is that identity. God is forming a people, forgiving them, baptizing them, and filling them with the Holy Spirit. So here's my point. The story of Jesus' advent into the world is the fulfillment of God's promise to form a people, a people who are forgiven, cleansed, baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. This is the story that Christians are called to live into. This is the story of us, our story. And this is also our identity. So, as meaning-making creatures, how we mark time significantly influences how we will see ourselves living into that story. That is why we celebrate Advent. We mark time in this preparatory season to prepare for the beginning of this story of Jesus' advent into the world, which is our story. Here's why I find Advent so powerful. I find it so powerful because it offers me and us an alternative calendar to the calendar of our society at large. Instead of being formed by the rhythms of retail stores, we are formed by the rhythm of the Christian year. We are formed by this story of Jesus told in seasons throughout the year, starting with Advent, then Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and ordinary time. I like to call ordinary time kingdom time, but same diff. The story of Jesus then becomes our story that we are reenacting, that we're living into throughout the year. But I'll be honest with you, I did not always see this as a gift. There was a long season in my Christian life when I rejected the Christian calendar. I saw it as something for Catholics only. How many of you felt that way at some point? No? I'm the only one? Okay. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised to find out that Advent and the Christian calendar is something that is celebrated and utilized by Christians of all stripes. Um, Christians from the Orthodox tradition, Christians from all types of Protestants, uh, celebrate Advent. And really, it's, it's a heritage and a treasure for the entire church. For me, it has been formative, and I, I see it as a way in which we can together live into this story that is our story. Okay, so here's where I get practical. One of the reasons why I love Advent is because for me, Advent creates space for lament. And lament is something that I did not grow up appreciating, and it's not something even as a Christian, early, early on in my Christian life, that I did not appreciate. But as I grew in Christ, I learned that there was times when I needed to be honest with God. I needed to get off my chest all the things that were pent up inside, and I needed to recognize all the things in my world that were broken. And so Advent creates space for lament, while it also gives us space to anticipate, in hope, the coming of Christ. So it has this paradoxical tension in it. Hope and lament, light and darkness. And that's why it's so cool that Advent takes place, and I don't think this is by accident, but Advent takes place at that time of year 
when the days are shortest, leading up to winter solstice. And at winter solstice, the days begin to get longer again. So it's, it's almost like literally light is invading the darkness. Light is taking back the darkness. One of my favorite Christian authors talks about this power of lament in Advent. Her name is Dr. Christina Cleveland, and she used to teach right here in the Twin Cities at Bethel. Um, here's what she said about Advent and lament. She said, Advent isn't a holiday party. It doesn't pressure us to conjure up a hopeful face, ring bells, and dismiss the foulest realities that we face. Advent isn't about our best world. It's about our worst world. Jesus entered into a world plagued not only by the darkness of individual pain and sin, but also by the darkness of systemic oppression. It was into this worst world that the light by which we see light, isn't that a great name for Jesus, was born, liberating the people from the terror of darkness. So it is in the midst of our worst world that we too can, be clear, can most clearly see the light, for light shines more brightly against a backdrop of true darkness. Advent, then, is an invitation to plunge into the deep, dark waters of our worst world, knowing that when we resurface for air, we will encounter a hopeful, hovering Spirit of God. For when we dive into the depths of our worst world, we reach a critical point at which our chocolate and our pageants no longer satiate our longing for hope, and we are liberated by this realization. Indeed, the light of true hope is found in the midst of darkness. So at this time of year, when you walk outside at 5.30 and you're like, is it nighttime already? We are reminded that there, our world is filled with darkness, but it's in this darkness that we see the light so clearly. As we look around our world today, we can clearly see that there's no shortage of darkness. There are natural disasters all around the world, like, like hurricanes, earthquakes, wildfires, places devastated like Puerto Rico and Houston and Mexico. There's also global conflict between nations, shootings, bombings, war. And as a result, there's massive refugee crises. Hundreds of thousands of people fleeing war-torn regions. Many have lost loved ones, lost their homes, and all of them are living in fear. Even in our own nation, there remains a climate of racial tension that feels like it's perpetually about to boil over. People continue to become more polarized by partisan politics and social media fans of flames. Even in our own families, we sense this darkness. We sense that there are broken relationships, there's bitterness, there's unforgiveness, infidelity, alienation, and estrangement. And then it goes deeper still. In our own hearts, there is darkness. We have secret sin. We hold back parts of ourselves from God. And we are more shaped oftentimes by the system of this world than by the way of Jesus. So in such a dark situation, God has given us Advent to create space for lament. Lament is that cry from the heart that says, God, where are you? Why won't you rend the heavens and come down and fix this place? There's so much brokenness. There's so much darkness. Why aren't you doing something about it? 
Advent gives us space to lament, and for me, I have found that to be a deep blessing, a gift. I remember vividly when Oshita and I were just starting to settle into life in, in Boston, we visited a vineyard church, and the pastor was preaching on this passage from Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, by, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And he gave this really simple advice that I'll never forget. It, it like, struck me, and it stuck with me. He said, channel your anxious energy into prayer. And it was like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I'm always filled with this, like, angst. And why is the world so broken? And why is the world so unjust? And he said, channel that anxious energy into prayer. And I think that's what lament is for. Lament is this beautiful space where we can cry out to God. And it's a healthy way to give our fears and give our pain to God. So this week, practically, I want to encourage you to find some space for lament. There's a lot to lament in our world. There may be things to lament in your own lives. And there's certainly things to lament in my life. Find some space. Carve out some time in your week to enter into this Advent season where we, we recognize the darkness around us and we, we call out to God, we cry out to God in hope that God is going to come and fix it. This is the type of intentionality that I think Advent creates. It creates space for us to mark time differently and make new meaning of our lives to live into a different story. Recently, I saw this quote by uh, Fleming Rutledge, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll end with this. Fleming, Fleming Rutledge was the first woman ordained in the Episcopal Church in America in 1975. She's incredible. And she said this. She said, In a very deep sense, the entire Christian life is lived in Advent between the first and second comings of the Lord, in the midst of the tension between things the way they are and things the way they ought to be. I think that's so perfect. It so perfectly captures the space that Advent creates. We live in this tension. We know that Christ has come, but we know that his kingdom is not fully established until he comes again. And in that in-between time, there is space carved out in our discipleship to cry out to God on behalf of our world, on behalf of our families, on behalf of Roots Covenant Church, and to cry out to God in hope that God is going to make things right. So, what does today mean for us? What does today mean for you? What does today mean for Roots Covenant Church? Today is the second week of Advent, and this is a season in which our lives are given new meaning as we live into the story of Jesus. Let's pray. God of promise, God who sent the Messiah to enter into our broken world and to assume our humanity with all of its joys and with all of its pain, we give you praise for the way in which you are forming a new people, a people who are forgiven, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. We give you praise for the way that you are telling a new story of restoration and redemption. We ask that you would catch us up in that story, Lord. Incorporate us into the story of your Son, that we may be your people, the body of Christ, instruments 
of healing in this world. Lord, we cry out to you on behalf of every refugee, every evacuee, every mourner in this world whom you love. We cry out to you that you would rend the heavens and come down. Rescue your people again as you did in the Exodus. Restore your people again as you did after the exile. We pray that you would make Roots Covenant Church a part of the story of your redeeming love. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I want to transition to um, the communion table.